This podcast is a presentation of Nags Head Church, reaching people to discover life in Christ. Stay tuned and visit us on the internet at nagsheadchurch.org. Mark chapter 16, beginning of verse 1. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, brought spices so they could go and anoint him. Very early in the morning on the first day of the week, they went to the tomb at sunrise. They were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone from the entrance to the tomb for us? Looking up, they observed that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a long white robe sitting on the right side. They were amazed and alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he told them. You're looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who was crucified. He's been resurrected. He's not here. See the place where they put him. But go tell his disciples and Peter, he's going ahead of you to Galilee. You'll see him there just as he told you. So they went out and started running from the tomb because trembling and astonishment overwhelmed them. And they said nothing to anyone since they were afraid. Let's pray. Lord, here we're, we, we are on this Easter Sunday morning again. And it's our privilege uh, to give praise and honor and glory to you for the resurrection of Jesus. Not only is he living on the inside of us, but Lord, he truly, alive and in bodily form, sits at the right hand of the Father. And he's there making intercession for us. And he's there waiting for, for the, the word from you to go and come and take us home and establish your kingdom. And lots of things are ahead. But we're here today, God, because we need to hear the story of the resurrection again. We need the hope that it brings. And so that's my prayer, that if there's someone here this morning who doesn't have that hope, doesn't know that hope, that before they leave today, Uh, they will be full of it, that God, that hope will take them through whatever they are going through right here, right now, tomorrow, next month, next year, for the rest of their lives until they see you face to face. Thanks for all our guests who are here who have come out on this this nasty day uh, to worship with us. Would you you bless them, God, and may we just have a wonderful time. May May we leave here and say, Wow, God, that was, that was awesome to hear about your resurrection, to sing about your resurrection. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Before you're seated, you slide in towards the middle. And uh, we've still got some folks coming in. It makes it easy. So if you're on this side, slide towards the middle. This slide, slide towards the middle. In the middle. That way people don't have to climb over you. Trust me, it works. And uh, then you can have a seat. Welcome to Night City Church. There are three chairs up up front, too.
crazy on you counting today. Count the empty chairs. Three seats right on the front row.
hearts of what you have to teach us this morning. Take what we give to you now. Bless it, multiply it, use it to further your kingdom here in Nags Head, on the Outer Banks, and throughout the world. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. As you're giving, just a couple of things I want to um, let you know about. Number one, everybody got a, a communication card on your seat as you came in. There was one in every seat. I want everyone in the room to take that card out right now. Take that card out and begin to fill in the information on the front. You say, well, I'm, I'm a partner in this church. I'm here every Sunday. I want you to fill it out. Well, this is my only time. I, I, live, I live in Timbuktu, and I don't know that I'll ever be back. I want you to fill it out. Or we've got a purpose for it later on, but I want you to, and we're not going to use it to do anything tricky with you, and, and, um, and we're not going to come knocking on your door and begging you for anything. Just want you to fill that card out. There are pens around in the chairs. Take a moment to do that. While you're doing that, uh, I do have a few things to share with you. Next Sunday, we'll be baptizing. We, uh, we hope, Lord willing, if you're ready to take that step of discipleship, following the Lord in, in believer's baptism, you've trusted Jesus as your Savior, and now you need to, to be baptized, uh, let us know about that today. And on that, the back of that communication card that you have, there's a little box you can check off that says, I want to be baptized. And if we have the information on the front to get a hold of you, we will this week. Our next Discovering Life class. If you're already a partner in the church, you don't need to take that, all right? I had somebody come up to me, do I need to take that class? No, we changed the name of it. Um, but it's our old Discovering NHC class, but it's, it's got a new format now. But it's going to be on the 4th of May. It's for all of you who have been attending Nags Head Church for a while. You want to know how do I get involved, what's my next step, and, and, and what's it, what, what happens when I get involved and so forth. It's a 90-minute class, starts at 1245, two weeks from today. Again, on the back of your card, you can check that box off, Discovering Life class. Sign me up for that. We will have child care available if that's what's needed, but you need to let us know that as well. Um, we're glad that you're here. We've got a lot of exciting things taking place this morning. Uh, we're going to be later in the gathering. I've been telling you for several weeks about Ukraine. We're going to talk about Ukraine and how we can help out uh, there with, uh, with evangelizing that country. So just kind of be sitting and ready for that later this morning. Hang on to that card, all right? Just hang on to it. Put it somewhere where you can reach it and pull it out later on this morning because you're going to be using it. But let's go ahead and uh, we're going to sing some more. Let's stand as we do.
Hey, if you thought you were going to another dry, boring Easter Sunday gathering somewhere, you stumbled into the wrong place. Hey, you know what I found out just a few moments ago? A bunch of you stuck your communication cards in the offering bag. If that was you, then you need to take another one out. No joke. You need to take another one out and uh, fill in the information on the front and hold on to that card until later, all right? Please do that for us. Um, I've been talking since, gosh, since right after the Olympics, I guess, uh, for months now, even before the Olympics, the Winter Olympics. Uh, there's been turmoil uh, in the city of Kiev. Uh, there's been those who have tried to overthrow the government there. The, 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 you know, you've been seeing the news. You know all that's happened there, the people that were killed, um, what's happened with Russia, um, uh, stealing the Crimea back from uh, Ukraine and the fact that there are Russian troops gathered on the eastern border of Ukraine and the people in that nation. You can imagine if that was happening here in the United States how we would feel. Sergei Botenko and his wife Dina are our representatives. They're our missionaries in the nation of Ukraine. They are they're natives there. And uh, they have been there all their lives. Sergey has shared with us here a couple of years ago what it was like to grow up in the Soviet Union and not have any of the freedoms and what it cost his family uh, in generations gone by to be believers in Jesus Christ. He came to know Christ as a college student, as a young man, and now he's serving there full-time with Ukraine for Christ winning men and women and students, and especially in the public school system, what's happening there has been amazing. Uh, they're, they're free in Ukraine, by the way, to take the gospel to the public schools. I think that's incredible. What a turnaround. Anyway, I, I got an email from him a few weeks ago after it really escalated in Kiev, and, 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 and he was telling me how that right now, he said, Rick, right now there is a greater spiritual hunger in this nation than I have ever seen before. People want to know the Word of God. They want the good news. They want to know that there's hope. And he said, so we're getting ready starting in May to, to, to launch a real big evangelistic effort to get Bibles out and show the film, the Jesus film, and, and, and another film for children. He said, be praying for us. I said, Nag said, church, Sergey, we'll do more than pray. We're going to give. Um, we we want to be able to supply them with Bibles to hand out to everybody that wants one. We're going to do our part anyway. And uh, so we're going to receive an offering in just a moment. So 
Whether you gave last time, whether you didn't give, if you've got anything at all that you can give toward that, let me tell you, it's going to an, an amazing, amazing purpose in giving Bibles to the Ukraine people and so that they can read the Word of God, so they can hear the Scriptures, so they can see the story and hear the Gospel and come to know Jesus. I want to challenge you. I just was told in the last gathering, the last gathering gave over 1200 bucks. All right, so dig deep. Uh, if you need to write a check, Make it out to Nags Head Church, but everything that goes in this offering will go toward that purpose and be sent uh, to the Ukraine for that purpose. Let me read you an email that I got from him just the other day, this past week. Rick, thank you for your prayers and this Sunday offering for our outreach in Ukraine. It will be extra blessing for us and our people. In the beginning of May, we're planning to do outreach among school teachers. We're planning to do family festival and use Jesus film for children, Magdalene film. I want to buy, buy, we want to buy Bibles for these events and personal evangelism. Thank you for your participation with us. God bless you and your church. Have a good and happy Easter. Christ is risen. There you go, Sergey. We will, uh, with prayer for you and your church, Sergey and Dina Batenko. So as we, as we uh, do this this morning, we are doing just be praying let's in fact let's pray right now before we give hungry people god for you in this country where they fear the freedoms they've had the last couple of decades may be taken away and uh, lord they're reaching out for hope we know where the hope lies we pray that you'll bless us we give that if we can give a dollar that we'll give a dollar if it's more or more but whatever we can do so that Sergey and Dina can purchase these Bibles and get these films out, and, and, and especially amongst the school teachers, Lord. What a great, great outreach they have. So bless it. It's not about us. It's about, it's about them today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You're probably familiar with the story that happened just before the night before Jesus' crucifixion. He was meeting with his disciples right after the Last Supper. He had some things to share with them. And he said something to them that was very important, most important for them to hear. But you know how sometimes, parents, you know how it is, you've got something really important to say, and you say it to your kids, and it's like they never heard a word you said. You know how that is? Jesus had something so important to say to them, and he said it, and they were right there in the same room with him, but they missed it. They heard the frightening part of what he said, but the part that he gave them that would ultimately give them the hope that they would need from there on out went in this ear and out the other. It never registered. It never connected. What did he say? Matthew in chapter 26 beginning in verse 31, he was there. He records it, and he said, Jesus said to them, really to us, because Matthew is part of them, tonight, all of you will run away because of me. For it is written, he's about to quote the Old Testament, it's been predicted, prophesied in the Old Testament, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. And here's the part they didn't get. But after I have been resurrected, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. 
Peter told him, even if everyone runs away because of you, I will never run away. I assure you, Jesus said to him, tonight, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Again, Peter speaks up. Even if I have to die with you, Peter told him, I will never deny you. And Matthew tells us he's one of them and all the disciples, the other 10 besides Peter, Judas is gone. All the disciples said the same thing. They focused, when they listened to Jesus say these words, they focused on one thing. They focused on his prediction that they would run away, and they didn't believe him. So Peter, the type A personality, the alpha dog in the pack, if you will, if you know the stories of the disciples, he's usually the first one to speak out, the first one to blurt out, the first one to step out of the boat, and so forth. Peter immediately speaks up and says what the rest of them, Matthew tells us, what they were all thinking. He says, no, wait, Jesus, let me paraphrase. You're wrong. You just called me a coward, and you're wrong. Jesus responds back, again, paraphrasing. No, Peter, I'm right. I promise you, before morning comes, You'll deny me three times. Well, Peter won't let it go. That's how alpha dogs are, type A personalities. They have to win the argument. And Peter, again, essentially calls Jesus a liar. He's, wait a second, maybe you didn't hear me. I just told you I will never deny you, even if it costs me my life. And Matthew says they all agreed we won't run, none of us. We won't deny you. We will die before that happens. Of course, if you know that story of that night, you know that the moment they came and arrested Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, what happened to those 11 disciples? They ran scared to death and hid. I mean, just maybe an hour or two later after this conversation, they did exactly what Jesus said they would do. Let me tell you why. It's, this, is, this is not rocket science. Why do they do exactly what Jesus said they would do? And the answer is really simple, because Jesus is never wrong. He's never wrong. He knew what was going to happen. He knew what was in their hearts. He never lies because he's God. And we can say amen, but let me ask us all a question. I know the answer in my heart. Have you ever told God, you ever spoke to the Lord and said about something that he says in his word, well, Lord, I don't agree with that. I think you're wrong there. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. But have you ever done that? Lord, I just don't think that's right. If you don't think what's in here is right, you're telling him he is? Yeah, so we, I've done it. Good grief. I, I'm, I don't like to admit that I have, but I've done that. And perhaps you have as well. Maybe not in your words. Maybe you didn't say those words. God, I think you messed up here. God, I think you got this wrong. God, I think you, you just didn't figure on the 21st century, Lord. <laughs> but in your thoughts, maybe your failure to accept and believe his word, maybe your failure to accept and believe his promises that are found here. And you worry. By the way, you know what worry is? 
Uh-oh, here we go. Worry's telling God he's wrong. What do you mean? The Bible tells us not to worry, to be anxious about nothing. We got something that we don't understand that's bothering us, to give it to him in prayer, with prayer and supplication, and he's going to handle it. So when I worry, I'm telling God he's what, Ben? Wrong. He's wrong. I like the way you say that. Get Ben's Carolina boy, he's wrong. <laughs> In our actions, sometimes we say, God, you're wrong. You see, the disciples missed the most important thing that Jesus said. It wasn't that they would run away. That's all they got. You guys are going to chicken out on me. Whoa, 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 whoa. We're men here. Fishermen, some of us. It was that after he was killed, he would be resurrected. And that just went in here and out there. They never grabbed it. Or they didn't believe it. Because they missed the most important part. You can understand why. When they saw him arrested in the garden, when they from a distance watched as he was tried and beaten and, and brought up before all the people by, by, by Pilate and clothed in a purple robe and a crown of thorns mocking who he was, as, as they probably followed from the distance in the shadows as he carried the cross through the streets of Jerusalem and then up to Calvary as they nailed him to that cross in his hands and his feet and lifted him up there to die. They were nowhere to be found. Only John showed up, his best friend, bringing along Jesus' mother. The rest of them, where were they? You can understand why they ran and why they hid, because they missed that most important part. And you can maybe understand why when on the, the following Sunday morning, when the women came back from the empty tomb and said, he's not there, he's resurrected, and we were told to tell you so. If you read on in the story in the Gospels, they went, Right. Years later, when he was likely an old man, Peter, the one who denied him three times, the one who didn't get to the tomb quite so quickly because he really didn't believe that Jesus was risen, Peter, who became a hero of the Christian faith, a leading defender of the faith, uh, we're told he was one who would die by crucifixion himself. Peter understood the hope of the words that he had missed about the resurrection. Later on, you ever have that happen to you? You didn't get it, when, but later on you go, oh, now I understand. The light pops on. It popped on a few days later for Peter in a real big way. It would take him a while, but Peter became a believer in the resurrection. And, and, and then, as we read in the book of Acts in the early chapters, as he was beaten in chapter 5 and threatened with execution himself, told never to speak in the name of Jesus again, it would be the belief in the resurrection that gave him hope to continue on and to not quit and not run away. It would be the belief in the resurrection that allowed Peter to say, listen, you guys, speaking to the same guys that called for Jesus' crucifixion, the leaders of the Jewish movement there in Jerusalem. Whether it's right in God's eyes or not for me to speak in Jesus' name, I'm going to tell you I've got to. I must. Because I've seen him in his resurrected body. I know it's true. Sometime later, he would write to the first century Christians as he's an old man. He would write to them at a time when they were being persecuted by by Rome, and they were being tortured, and some of them were being fed to wild animals in the Colosseum. You know the stories, killed for their faith by a madman emperor named Nero. Have you heard of him? 
Peter would write these words to them. Look what he said in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, and who, who understands mercy better than the one who denied Jesus three times that night? Peter gets it. According to his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, uncorrupted, unfading, kept in heaven for you who are being protected by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Six things he says about the hope that the resurrection brings. And this morning we're gathering, I mean, this is our second time to do this and the second time we've had a full house. It's Easter. I don't have to tell you that. I was here, I was elated to go in this couple stores in the last couple days. And as I go through and pay for my groceries or whatever, the cashiers say to me, and happy Easter. I went, dude, you're, you rock. Thank you. I was at Bush Gardens yesterday playing with, riding rides with grandkids. I'm not feeling so good today. But, <laughs> but even there, people that worked there greeted me, and as we left, were saying to me, Happy Easter. I thought, this is, I mean, people know it's Easter. You're here because it's, it's Easter. By the way, let me say to you, those of you from out of town, we're glad you came. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Those of you who are not out of town, and maybe this is your first time here, I've got great news for you. We do this every Sunday. Come on back, all right? We're here because it's Easter, because Christ is risen. And I'm sure there are some here who are here, and, and we've had 600 people here today or so. I'm sure that there are some here today who know well, that's a historical fact. Christ is risen from the dead. And then there are probably some who, like the disciples, maybe you're not sure it's a fact at all. And there's another group of us who believe, believe it. Yeah, I know Christ has risen from the dead, but frankly, we've heard it so long and so many times. I was telling somebody the other day, I went to get my hair cut. And I won't tell you the name of the person who cuts my hair, but she often stands out there at the Welcome Center. <laughs> She says to me, she's cutting my hair. Oh, Rick, it's Easter coming. Are you going to be preaching Easter Sunday? I said, you know, I said, I've been the pa This is my 24th Easter as pastor of this church. I've been here 23 years. And I missed one time. Four years ago, I was on sabbatical, and, and, and Sam Knight, some of you remember, preached for me. And she remembers Sam's sermon. She can quote the points to me, but are, are, you, are you preaching again this year? I thought... Yeah. We're here because it's Easter. And some of us have heard it so many times. And I was going to say, the point I was going to make was, in 23, this is my 23rd or 24th Easter message, I've never repeated one. It's always different. And that always kind of, kind of gets me scared. I mean, I, I, if, I, if I keep going, I don't know what I'm going to do. But I, you know, I, I want to find, I, and, and I discovered that this story can be told in fresh new ways every single time. Because there's some of us who know this story and who, who dwell on this story. I, I had a hard time going to sleep last night because today was Easter, and I was so excited about it. It never ceases to grip your heart. But there's some of us, we've heard it so many times, it just doesn't grab us anymore. 
Peter's words in that letter to those persecuted believers were intended to give them hope in the worst trials that would come. Two weeks from now, on the 4th, John and Cindy Peterson are going to be here. John and Cindy are missionaries of ours, and they have been for almost 30 years. A year ago, in March, they buried their 21-year-old senior at NC State University. They buried their son, Ian, after fighting about a six-month battle with leukemia. And I don't have to ask them, what was the toughest thing you ever had to do in your life? I can tell you that was. Complicating that was two or three days later, their daughter, Ashley, got married the same week. And John performed the wedding. They're going to be here two weeks from now. To tell their story, I want you to hear it because here's the deal. You may not lose a child to leukemia, but you're going to go through something in your life that's going to so rattle you and so pain you and so grieve you that you're going to, you've got, God, where do I find hope? I want you to be back, if you can, two weeks from now to hear John and Cindy tell their story and how they, how they survived that. Peter wanted these believers who were being persecuted to know as he had learned that Jesus is never wrong and that he would never abandon them. And in this passage, he told them the new birth guarantees a living hope. And that living hope, he said, hinges on this one event, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's how important this day is. In other words, without the resurrection, we have no hope. If Jesus died and remained in the grave, he would have been just another religious leader like Mohammed or Buddha, whoever you want to name, if he had died on the cross for our sins, but God had not raised him from the dead, his death was a waste. He died for nothing. But he didn't. He rose again, and Peter said that resurrection. Let me tell you, Peter said, I know from firsthand account, it gives us the hope of a future inheritance. So what do you hope in this morning? I want to talk about very quickly those six things that Peter laid out there for us. Everything on earth that we own or we hope to own, everything, think about it, everything that you can put your hands on in this world has a lifespan, doesn't it? It's all temporary. So you better have hold of something that doesn't have a lifespan. You need to have hold of something that goes on forever so that you can have hope. Not just for now, but forever. Peter said, here are the things. Our living hope is because, Peter said, of the resurrection. First of all, he says, because it's imperishable, meaning it can never die. Some put their hope in government. Some put their hope in elected officials. Some put their hopes in systems, but they're all founded and operated by men and women. And as men and women, doesn't matter if it's us in this room, if somebody in, uh, in the governor's mansion or Capitol Hill or the White House, wherever, we're all prone to fail, aren't we? We're all prone to mistakes. We're all prone to corruption, but Peter said the hope in the resurrection is a hope in something that can never die. It's imperishable. 
He said, hope in the resurrection and the resurrected Christ is uncorrupted, meaning it is perfect and flawless. Won't ever rust. Those of us who live on the Outer Banks, we understand rust, don't we? As I grow nearer to, I don't know when it's going to be, but nearer to the age of retirement, I sometimes take a look at my, my assets, my portfolio. I get, a, I get a thing in the mail every quarter that tells me I have a retirement fund the church contributes into for me. Some of you have maybe a 401k. I have a, as a nonprofit, we have a 403b, same kind of thing. A couple years ago, that puppy took a nosedive, didn't it? If you have had money in stocks, you, if you invested your, I've done this too. If you've invested money in, in real estate, I want to buy a property on the Outer Banks. It always goes up. So a few years ago, we bought a piece of property in the Outer Banks knowing it will always go up. We'll make money on this, baby. Yeah, it's worth about two-thirds now what it was then. What do you put your, your hope in your assets and things that, that, are, that, that will corrupt? I believe it's wise to store up for those days that are coming when I won't be able to earn an income. And, but nothing's guaranteed, not that 403B. 401k, IRA, Roth, whatever, stocks and bonds. Uh, you know, just a few years ago in this country, we saw some people that lost all, all of their retirement funds. It disappeared in an instant due to the lack of integrity of the people in charge of them. And those poor folks, what they counted on, what they hoped in for their future, what they had set aside so that they could have the day in life where they could go play golf every day, they found themselves selling their golf clubs so they could pay the mortgage, you know. It can be gone. It can be corrupted. Never to be returned, but not the resurrection. It's uncorrupted. It's perfect and flawless. And be, but the hope, the hope, Peter says, we treasure in the risen Savior next is unfading. It can't disappear. Have you ever misplaced something important, something valuable, and you can't find it? You know it's there. But you cannot put your hand on it. I, I, I've done this. And those of you are getting, I'm 58. Those of you are getting close to my age, you can relate to this maybe, I hope. Hope I'm not the only one. But I mean, I've had times where I've, I need to find my, my glasses. Cannot find my glasses. And I go and I look all over the house for my glasses because I don't see, I can't read without them. I can see distances, but. And I'm looking all over for my glasses and I wander around. And I go, maybe I left them on the counter in the bathroom. I go in the counter in the bathroom and they're not there. And I look up and they're, Lord, I hope my children te- treat me nice in my old age. <laughs> Whether it's my glasses or my teeth or whatever, I hope, I hope they don't laugh at me when I, gotta, I ain't got no teeth and they're sitting right beside me. You know? But you ever misplace something that's valuable? My, my wife, Gail, has this recurring nightmare. I mean, she has it maybe a half a dozen times during the year. Now, maybe, maybe you have something like that, you know, nightmare like that. She has two of them, actually. One of them, she sees a whole bunch, a whole line of tornadoes in the distance. And she's running for a place to hide. I, I hope that dream never comes true. I hope her, but the other one that really bothers her, and she had this again the other day. She says, I, and I've heard this for now for 37 years. I had that dream last night, Rick. The dream that the stone in my engagement ring, the diamond in my ring was gone. It was lost, and I cannot find it. Where did that come from? I don't know. I'm going to guess that 
that sometime in her mind years ago, she had the thought, maybe right after she got the ring, that she might lose that thing. And it's stuck in her mind like a bad file in your computer, and it comes out every so often in a dream. But the resurrection, the hope in the resurrection, won't disappear. It can't, can't be lost. It's unfading, Peter says. Then Peter says, the inheritance God makes available of hope to you and me because the stone was rolled away and Christ emerged alive again. He says, it's kept in heaven for you. That means it's stored safe and secure. I have a safe deposit box. Mortgage to my house is in there. Insurance policies are in there. Maybe I should put a pair of glasses in there. I don't know. (laughs) Peter says, Stored safe and secure, kept in heaven. But, but, but Pastor, but, but Rick, what if, I, what if I really mess up? What if I do something really, really dumb in my life? Is God going to open that safety deposit box and take my hope out and pull it away from me? If I mess up, if I do something really dumb, the, the biblical word for that is sin. And, and when I do sin, when you and I commit sin, you know, and when we're in that period of time, we might not be able to sense that hope. And we, it's clouded by our sin. And we don't really know, we, we can't feel, if you will, that hope. Because sin clouds everything that's holy. But the scriptures tell us the hope is guaranteed from loss by the greatest of all insurance policies, the power of God, Peter said. And then he tells us because of the resurrection, your hope is protected forever by God and his power through faith, which means it's in no danger of ever being taken away. Most of us sometime in life will come to an experience where we wonder, If you're a young Christian, let me tell you, this day is coming. If you're an old Christian, you'll say, yeah, I can remember that period of time in my life as a Christian when I doubted. When I thought, you know, am I really, is is it just a bunch of legends? Is it mythology? Am I really hoping in nothing? After all, It's been 2,000 years that his followers have been praying for your kingdom come, and it hasn't happened yet. In fact, it seems to be getting worse. We're still praying that. And the enemy, here's what happens. The enemy of your hope, of my hope, Christian, the one who was defeated at the cross and then tried to defeat these disciples with fear and doubt, he initiated the lie that they had stolen his body so there would be no hope. Satan will say to you and to me, hey, This thing's real. Why are you still struggling? Why are you still going through trials? And why, 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 how how come that physical, whatever it might be, how come that hasn't been taken care of, that hasn't been healed? If, If this is real, why? Why are people in Nigeria and Syria who love Jesus, why are they being persecuted and killed today? Why, if this is real, come on. Remember that this hope that we've been promised in the, in the resurrection, Peter finishes up by saying, 
It's for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In other words, it's waiting for a grand revelation. And that day has not come yet. So we hold on. And we keep the faith. And we persevere. The Bible has all those kinds of words. What happened that Sunday morning outside of Jerusalem as the dead body of Jesus was given the breath of life by the Holy Spirit? I think it was just exactly the same kind of thing that happened when God created Adam. And it says, and he breathed into him the breath of life. The Holy Spirit breathed into the body of Jesus the breath of life. By the way, don't you think it's interesting that the word that's translated for us spirit is the Greek word pneuma, which means breath? You're familiar with pneumonia? He breathed into him the breath of life and and defeated death. And that resurrection is the greatest offering of hope the world will ever know. The question this morning, then, for all of us is really simple. Do I know this hope? Do I have this hope? Is my life anchored in this hope? Has this hope transformed my life and made me new? The Bible makes it really clear that to possess the hope, the new life, the guarantee of salvation, that comes one way and only one way. It comes by a new birth, Peter described. The time when God gives a man or a woman, a boy or a girl, when they totally believe and completely believe in Jesus Christ as Savior, he gives them his life. He breathes in them the breath of life. And that gives us hope. And when that hope is given, here's one way to gauge. People are, I'm not sure, how do I know? Let me give you a simple test of how do you know if you have this hope. Don't answer out loud. Are you scared of death? If death frightens you, your own death. I would say, I can't judge you, but I would say you probably don't have this hope because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul wrote there all about the resurrection. He says, for the Christian, the sting of death is gone. Why? Because I know as a Christian, for me to be absent from this body is to be where? Present with the Lord. I know that. I know the moment this heart stops beating, The moment I stop breathing, the moment I grow cold and gray, I'm already with Jesus. The thought of death does not disturb me. I'm not excited about dying, I want you to know. I'm enjoying life right now, enjoying my grandkids, enjoying the health that I have. But if he were to take me right this moment, if I were to keel over, Mary, right there in front of you, right? Lord, don't let this happen now for Mary's sake. If that were to happen... That doesn't scare me. He said, oh, come on, Rick. I had a story. I don't think Gail knows about this, so she's not in here, I don't think. Gail, Gail, are you in here? She's waiting to come back in. Well, when I was working construction, I got a guy, he was doing something wrong, and I told him, look, man, you got to use the level to do that, to plumb that up. We were framing out windows, and he wasn't using a level. And I said, you got to use a level. He got mad at me for telling him that. got so mad at me that he reached into his pocket and pulled out a switchblade and brought it right up to my throat. And he told me, he said, this has been a bunch of years ago. He said, he told me where I could go. <laughs> and I said, I'm sorry, but I can't go there. I'm going to heaven. 
I did, true story. Why? How could I say that to him? I have hope. This whole based in the resurrection. Because there was a time in my life when I was a 10-year-old boy, I said, Jesus, I receive you as my Savior. And he said, I promise you, Rick, I promise you, based on my resurrection, you will have life in heaven for eternity. So it doesn't matter what somebody can do to me. I know, it doesn't matter how I die. I know when that day comes. Do you know that? If you do, you have hope. If you don't, we want to offer that hope to you right here, right now. I want you to take out those communication cards that you have. Everyone, please. And at the top of the card, the opposite side, I guess it would be the left side of the card, opposite side of the logo, there's a little space in the top corner. I just want you to write either A, B, or C. You're not grading the sermon this morning, so there's no F. A, B, or C, and here's what A stands for. A says, I already, sometime in my life, have put my faith and trust in Jesus, and I know I've had this new birth. I have this hope. I'm ready to go. A, you might not be there yet. You might say, I've never heard this before, but this is what I need in my life. I know I want this hope. I want to put my faith and trust right now, and right this moment where I sit, I am believing in Jesus Christ and his resurrection for my eternal salvation. Right now, and you can do it right now. You don't have to stand up or walk or say or sing or pray. Just believe. You put B, I'm believing. And you may be here and say, you know, I want to think about this some more. I, I, need, to pon- I, I need to consider this a little bit more. And so use, put the, word, the letter C for consider if that's you. I'm not sure yet. Not ready to make that step. I'm not counting it out but I'm not ready. You put a C. And then this morning as you leave, there's a basket on the table right there between the doors. You can bring the cards up here to me, especially if you say I'm believing. I would love to talk with you about that. Or you can hand it to Bernie, Pastor Bernie at the Welcome Center, but leave that, or leave it on your seat, but leave the card here. And if there's something we can do to help you, we will. We'll pray for you. We won't, we won't harass you. But we especially want to know if today you're believing Jesus Christ as your Savior. If you brought a guest today, your partner at church, be sure you go and, and introduce uh, your friends to Bernie. He'll be out there. He's got something special for him. If you're a first-time guest from anywhere, uh, they've got something for you as well. So please stop by the Welcome Center. Let's stand as we close out with a prayer. Hallelujah. Christ, you're risen from the dead. And then you ascended to your Father, seated at the right hand of the throne, and you're waiting to come back. I think it'd be really cool if it was today. But I pray that before it is, Lord, everyone in this room will know you and have that hope. In your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Christ is risen. God bless you. Great Easter. This has been a presentation of Nags Head Church, reaching people to discover life in Christ. Visit us on the internet at nagsheadchurch.org.